Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Fantastic. How about yourself, Mike? I'm doing good. So today, you and I are going to be discussing and breaking down a psychedelic western that came out just this past year, 2018. Uh, but it's not just a psychedelic western. It's experimental. Uh, you can call it a spaghetti western homage. Uh, but the film is titled Let the Corpses Tan. It's a French film. Uh, a B film style western with extraordinary mind blowing visuals. We oui, we oui. yeah. This is the latest French language movie from the uh, filmmaking couple Helena Catet and Bruno Forzani. Uh, this film was shot on sixteen millimeter film hmm. and had a running time of ninety two minutes. I mean, sixteen millimeter film that alone is enough to get someone like myself very excited over a a film because that's in this day and age that's that's something that's unheard of especially for a film to get a theatrical run if you're going to the film circuits yeah that's pretty common 35 millimeter 16 millimeter but when it comes to the actual theatrical distribution especially in this day and age with 4k projectors it's not as common uh, this film was directed, as I said, by Helena Catet and Bruno Forzani. They are a couple. They have worked together in various other films, I believe, since 2009. Now, the synopsis, the grizzled, a grizzled thug and his gang head to an island retreat with a haul of 250 kilograms of gold bullion to lay low. However, a bohemian writer, his muse, further complicate things as allegiances are put to the test. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Now, every once in a while, I'm surprised by a trailer for a film like this one that I've heard nothing about sure. beforehand. Usually I'm on my game. I know about most Western films in production. And I think between the two of us, usually nothing slips between, you know, lips slips through the cracks. It's our business. It's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in fact, you just recently shared various articles with me about a few other films that I had no idea was also coming out in 2019. So this movie just completely went under the radar 
Um, but this is one of those films that got me really excited. I was so giddy when I saw this trailer during a screening of a film that I was watching at the Alamo Draft House. I'm sure the other folks in the theater heard me squeal with glee like a child <laughs> given his first ice cream cone on Christmas Day. I looked at Maggie, my wife, and said, holy shit, we're going to watch this. She's all, yes. And she pats me on the back. I knew that before you even had to say it. I can tell. <laughs> I I could see your bulge happening right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come on. And I really didn't know what to expect from this movie because, A, it's you know directed by a couple of directors I've never heard of at the time. It's a French film. I knew next to nothing about this entire production. But that being said, I was pleasantly surprised. I did see this in the theater. And I I was going to ask you, did you see it in the theater? Yes, I saw it in the theater and I bought the Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. And I will say this. This movie is not for everyone. This is not your grandfather's Western, nor is it your father's Western. (laughs) This Western (laughs) is a psychedelic spaghetti Western filled with symbolism, mostly anti-Christian symbolism. Uh, And I think the best way to frame this movie is. Don't think Sergio Leone's Dollar Trilogy, even though they use a lot of Leone's work as an obvious source of inspiration. But I'd say think more uh, Cesare Canavari's Western Matalo, that that spaghetti Western from the 60s. In fact, the closing credits used the exact same theme song from Matalo. Mm. I thought I, I thought I recognized it. I wasn't 100 percent, though. Yeah. Now, Clint. Mm. What were your first thoughts upon watching this film? And also, I'm going to double down on this. Okay. What was your, you know what? Let me rephrase this. What was your first (laughs) thoughts when you saw the trailer? And were your expectations met when you watched the film? When I first watched the trailer, it actually looked like a modern day. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Getaway. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got the gold, we've got uh, uh, some hoodlums, we've got some people got caught in the the mix. Yeah. Um, it, it, it looked good. And then I, uh, I don't want to shoot my whole wad here, but <laughs> when, when we, when we got into it, how do I, uh, the, just drop it on me. Just drop well, it on I don't, me. I don't, uh, <sighs> s- cinematically. How about we'll go with that technical stuff first? Okay. I thought it was really cool. There were some things in there that were, I loved when they're sitting at the table Yeah, and you go from left mm-hmm. to her, to him, to her, to him, and they get closer and closer and closer. And then it's just them. I mean, that's one of my favorite shots. And even though I love the gunfight, I thought that was just a really cool, it almost was very uh, Quentin Tarantino-ish. Yeah. If we're going to talk modern here, it was very Tarantino-ish, and I thought that was so cool. Um, the look of it was fantastic. I really dug the grittiness of it. It wasn't very clean at all. Yeah. Nothing about this is a very clean movie. Which is what you <laughs> like. You like that grit. I, I always have. Yeah. yeah. I think even if you throw it into... um like a modern cinema type gangster movie. I think it's cool. I I've always yeah. dug where you, where you have the, it's not high definition. It's dirty. It's greasy. It's dusty. I, I think that's, it makes the film 
that much more enjoyable because it's immersive. Yeah. And you shouldn't feel clean watching this movie and you don't. Um, (laughs) No, you don't. No, there's, there's, we'll get to that. But I think the most part, I, I loved even the story. There's parts that I will get to, but the story of it was, was, uh, really cool too. love I, anytime you throw in gold uh you almost have me yeah yeah and i you know i can tell you're struggling between the things you liked and the things that probably left you scratching your head and i well, think uh, yeah yeah and i would agree with that there is a lot upon first viewing it i loved it i even did a little quick review for our website when it first came out after i saw it in the theater but it wasn't until the second viewing that I really understood everything that was going on. Sure. It, it, and maybe that has to do with the fact that it's it's a French language film. And I know French films are a lot harder for me to follow. There is a translation aspect that I think is lost. Uh, it's easier for me to, I think, in general, to um, I think f- mostly for American on audiences it's easier to translate italian and spanish films over it translates a little bit easier to the american audiences french films especially an art house film like this i can imagine that there's some stuff that's lost in translation you have to pay very careful attention otherwise you miss parts of the film because this is a very fast-paced flick and i think the i think you're right on the money there i think one of the things that i i (laughs) I think the artsy stuff. Yeah. If you if you would take that out, it would go smoothly for me yeah. as the first as the first viewer. We'll just call it the first viewing. I think it, it would have went really smooth. I can even handle the uh, subtitles. Um, <laughs> I think the the biggest thing is that when you throw in that artsy stuff, yeah, it tends to kind of either distract. It, it does distract me. But then I've also got the subtitles I got to deal with. But that is absolute. You're you're not wrong. It's it's for that. For, I'm just saying for the first viewing. Now I don't go. I don't always go back and watch. You know the ones that we watch because I I like to have that first view opinion. And this was tough to kind of follow along as far as you're you're watching subtitles. You're watching the main story and then you've got this artsy thing thrown in in it too yeah so no you're not wrong i think that if if we were fluent in french it probably wouldn't be as difficult the first viewing but you're right because we're reading subtitles then we have to pay attention to the imagery which is a big part of the story yeah there's a lot of images that sells the story then you have the actual overt narrative going on then you have the fast paced action then you have weird sexual rituals that are thrown in there and it it can get muddled that's why i feel like for american audiences it will be tough unless you are sitting down and you put down your phone and you solely focus on this film it is a little it can get a little cumbersome at times yeah and i don't think it's because of the directors i think they probably did a fantastic job with the movie but i think for american audiences it definitely takes more than one viewing to fully understand what the movie is doing Totally agree. Now, if you're a fan of the Euro Westerns from the 60s and 70s, specifically the psychedelic Westerns, 
I feel that most audiences that are in the know, they're going to notice the similarity similarities immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film unfolds a lot like an acid-induced roller coaster ride into psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does. Where the bizarre, the weird, and the strange are, are fucking normal. Uh, the directors use a lot of pagan symbolism and nods to goddess worship, and it kind of leaves you scratching your head at times. But the observant viewer will notice that it all adds to the story. Uh, the director uses a lot of elements to explore the lair, or I should say a lot of these elements to explore the lair of, you know, this cult style gang hideout where blood rituals and mayhem lurk literally around every single corner. You don't get a breather in this movie. No. It's just one thing after another. And you never really know who has allegiances to who, which is a very common spaghetti Western trope. You have that stash of gold. Everyone is after allegiances constantly shift based on who might have the upper hand. And yes, there have been a few critics as well as viewers that have said it is incoherent, but I disagree. Uh, the actual narrative is pretty simple to follow as you also stated in your initial thoughts, Clint. Um, it, it takes work. <laughs> it does take a lot of effort, but I, but I feel like the actual narrative itself is pretty simple to follow. A sex cult of baddies lounge at their hideout. They drink, have sex, and generally live a debauched life. A portion of the group decides to steal bars of gold. Cops investigate the crime that leads them to the baddie lair, and the bloodshed ensues as everyone attempts to escape and take the gold. That's the story. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Now, that being said, there's another story hidden within the narrative disguised within the subtext. And this story is what brings the weird West elements to the forefront. And it's what also is partially what may confuse certain viewers if you're not paying close attention. An observant eye will notice that this portion relies on the ability to interpret the powerful imagery that the cinematographer Emmanuel Dacose uses to aid the script and the direction. So let's talk about that. Let's actually, let's jump right into the imagery first. Okay. Just so we can cut through all of that and we can pair that and double down, or I should say we we could pair that with the cinematography aspect as well. All right. So let's just jump right into interpreting the imagery slash the cinematography of this film. All right. So what story was the imagery actually trying to tell Uh, My interpretation may very well be different than others, but this is what I was able to pull from the imagery and Clint jump in. And if you disagree with that or you saw something else, let me know. We can discuss that. Now, I'm not going to break down every single shot, Clint. Otherwise, we're probably will end up sitting here for the next several weeks because there's a lot of shots. Well, I've got one in particular that I got to ask, but I'll wait. I already know which one it is. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> I know your sick mind. I know you. Yes. We've been together long enough. Yeah. All right. So let's get into this. I think we should be able to convey the idea of the combined usage of all the images and the symbolism behind the film rather easily once we break it down. Now, number one, this film heavily relies on the use of pagan symbolism. Keeping that in mind, I think everything else will be pretty easy to dissect which actually strengthens the idea of goddess worship and possibly witchcraft, which I'm pretty certain was a big part of this movie. 
which the imagery would suggest the lead in this film and leader of the gang, Luce, is either a witch or a supernatural goddess. The characters in this film are essentially cultists that perform rituals that include orgies, uh, multiple sexual partners. There's body worship and scenes of cultists drinking the milk of Luce as it is forcibly sprayed from her nipples all over the men worshiping her body. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit <laughs> Sounds much. Sounds like a Western to me. <laughs> <laughs> if you know anything about witchcraft and goddess worship, there are a lot of instances where mother's milk or the milk of the woman or the milk of the female is sacred. It has a lot of connections to goddess worship or the sacrifice to gods. Number two, the use of gold and the notion of idolatry, which is the worship of idols. Luce was never concerned with the gold itself, nor did she care for the life of her men. She actually enjoyed all the killing and bloodshed in the name of the gold and herself. In paganism, gold is often used to represent the power of the sun and is related to the element of fire. There's various scenes where we actually see this unfolding. In fact, a specific scene in the film has Luce, our lead, completely covered in gold powder. And the shot is framed and it's actually framed at a low angle in silhouette and the lens is blown out by the sunlight during most of the ritual that was taking place. Also, according to pagan beliefs, the color gold can be used to enhance any spell, which is a key word here, because I strongly believe there was magic in this film. The color gold can be used to enhance any spell that is associated with sun energy and adds power to the symbols drawn with gold ink or paint or embroidered with gold colored thread. Now, too much gold. This is the interesting part that actually adds to the movie here. Now, too much gold can be considered overwhelming, according to pagan beliefs, and draw unwanted attention. And that is exactly what happened in the film. Her crew stole the gold bars without her consent. She had no idea what they did. And what happened? It drew the attention of police officers and everything else fall, fell apart mm-hmm. because of that. So there was a lot of pagan symbolism that did assist in the story i don't feel like you needed to know any of that to to understand what was happening although it does i feel help the viewer that may have felt lost with some of those imageries or some of those images i should say it does help them i want to say have some resolve and understanding as to why those moments were included other than the fact that they were looking for shock because that's what i read in various blurbs on the internet from from various critics who didn't really bother to dissect the imagery and understand that it's from a pagan's perspective. So they, they were just going off of the, the first view, just the kind of the easy route. Yeah. I don't think they were trying to actually dissect the imagery opposed to just, Hey, well, this is just a bunch of mayhem and bloodshed and just disgustingness for some, for no reason. And, and I would agree with that if, there wasn't a method to the madness because, yeah, I mean, tying a rope around a woman and squeezing milk from her tits. I mean, let's be honest. That's <laughs> it's not sexy. <laughs> no, nope. I mean, then she urinates on a man's head. There we go. <laughs> the golden showers. 
And if you know anything about pagan rituals and witchcraft, this goes hand in hand with that. There were these odd vignettes as well that were also included where the town or the, I should say the hideout was shot and framed by way of like an overhead shot. And the people were replaced by ants. I can only assume this was some allegory for her control as queen slash goddess of her lord or her lordship over the events unfolding. Oh, okay. That because, makes sense. Yeah, well, because I was very baffled at first with the first viewing. I'm like, okay, what what what, what part do these ants play? Uh, because there were different scenes where she was. I want to say she was dropping sugar water into an ants like an ant farm. You saw her actually do it. And then when they did the cutaway shot, the ants were in a model or miniature that resembled the exact same hideout that all the action mm-hmm. unfolded in. She's controlling things. She's okay. creating mayhem. She is. Uh, cre- I don't know if it's the violence she's creating, if she needs that. I, I That part, I don't know. But I do feel like the director's the director and the writers were definitely trying to convey the idea that she's controlling the events that she is getting off on it. In fact, at one point she said she had never orgasmed this hard before in her life and she never had sex at that time. Yes, there, she did have sex various times, but when she said that she hadn't had sex, she was saying what they tell all the guys, (laughs) do they? I've never, I've never heard that. I guess no one's ever cared enough for me to even lie to me like that. (laughs) (laughs) self-loathing self-loathing yeah so i mean the imagery were you a bit thrown off by some of the bizarre imagery well yes um i think what did you think of it were you trying to figure out and interpret and and does some of the things i did try to figure it out but the problem with (laughs) with it it was just it was over the top for me you know and and i and i mean this and i don't mean to make myself even more simple sounding than I already am. But when I have to read the subtitles and I have to watch the movie and then I have to watch this, these, by the way, you did a fantastic job explaining what some of these would mean. Um, But when I'm watching, I'm going, all right. Yeah. Because you've got, you know, for the people listening, you've got, like Mike said, you've got, Gold being thrown on her, she's being tied up, milk is shooting everywhere, piss is splattering down. Um, and then at one point, I, I, is, is that the milk that they're drinking off her legs and shit? Yeah, they mixed the milk with champagne oh, oh, and, okay, and ran it down it. her body, yeah. And, you know, for me, it was just a little bit, whoa. You know, uh, like, I didn't quite grasp the whole, uh, the whole, um, Rituals, the the rituals, thing. yeah. You know, with your explanation, now I get it. Now I see it. And then with the ants, I kind of dug that. I thought it was kind of a neat thing. I guess I missed where she was feeding the ants, but that would make perfect sense that she's the one in control. So now, with with all that said, it's a very it, it be the 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 film becomes very uh, a lot more smooth as I'm kind of playing the movie back into my head. Yeah. Because now it's like, ah, 
you have now we're having these ah moments of your explanation. Yeah. Because if if I'm just sitting down and I'm watching, I'm just thinking, oh, I heard this on, I heard this Clinton Mike were talking about this, <laughs> and I want to see it before <laughs> before uh, I listen to the show. You might want to listen to the show a little bit because it might help. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you enjoy it a little more. And you know, I agree with you because, like I said, I loved the movie. Because I loved what they were doing with it, but it, it did, there were, I'm not going to say I sat down at the theater and was like, oh, I totally understand this movie. I did sure. it. I was, right. I understood the the main story that was pretty easy to follow, but the imagery, it required me to think. And I, my wife and I, we were driving home from the theater and we were talking about it and discussing it and trying to figure out what they were trying to say. So it takes well, time, but that's also what we do. Like that's, I know you and I are two very different individuals when it comes to the, I, I want to say the arts, I guess, or movies. Like that's what I do. I sit and I debate films like a douche with my film <laughs> buddies, you know, and then you and I do it as well. And I love talking about film with you because you understand movies, but you have a different perspective. You have a different idea of what makes a good movie. And there's different things that you um, offer to a discussion opposed to my discussions. I do with my buddies here in town uh, who feel the same way about movies for sure. the most part as me. Whereas you, you offer a very different perspective and that makes for a very balanced conversation, especially with films like this. Well, and the thing that I thought was interesting and maybe I just kind of made this up in my head is that I thought, you know, because this lady is gold and we've got this golden shower and we've got all this other gold, gold, oh, gold. Oh shit, dude. See, I didn't even, golden shower i did i made a joke but i didn't even put that together you're right (laughs) and i actually thought it was man's desire for gold and i don't know if i made that i probably made that up in my head because i didn't see the paganism at all i mean at the at the first shot but i was thinking okay now why why are we going to this extreme to show how a dude has gold fever. Yeah. You know, and so I, that didn't really fit, but then I was like, well, I'm sure we'll discuss it and figure it out because I thought that was probably the best looking gold bars in any movie I've ever seen. Did it make you want it? Yes. (laughs) It it really did. I was like, that's, that's slick looking. I want some of those gold bars. Yeah. It's like, who's the prop guy on that? Somebody was really thinking. It was good, but yeah. I mean that but that also feeds into the idea of idolatry, which is if you're that's a common word if you follow any type of religion whether it be, you know, Judeo-Christianity or even paganism. Idolatry is simply the worship of idols. And idolatry can be or I should say the worship of idols can theoretically be anything, anything that somebody idolizes. And one of those big things, people worship an idol is what? The mighty dollar. The almighty dollar, gold. And that's why I really like that they actually use that. Not only is it a common spaghetti Western trope, everyone fighting over gold, but also it fits into this paganistic narrative or paganistic imagery slash subtext as well. So there are some smarts to this movie. It it it, it comes off as a uh, oh I I, I want to stress that look if I, if I if I was taken back the first viewing, other people will be as well. So if you're listening to this review, I want people to go in knowing what they're getting involved 
in, right, Clint? <laughs> is that the best way to say that? Well, I think if you're at this point in the show, you're gonna it's gonna run a lot smoother than it did for me. How's that? <laughs> that's that's there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that makes perfect sense there. Because you can listen to this, and really, to to me, just hearing what you just talked about about the paganism and the rituals and yeah. everything. I know if I even if I would listen to this and then have the first viewing of it, that would help. That would have helped me as far as watching watching the first time. Yeah, because you do get sidetracked. Because at least you would have that in your in your mind when you're when you're watching it and you're seeing that all this stuff is going on and you're reading and you're watching and you see the main story blah blah blah. You actually start to feel. Like, okay, I get it because this is why they're doing it. Instead of having to really dive deep that first time in your first viewing or having to watch it a second time if you didn't want to. But I think that's, uh, I think your explanation of it was just spot on. So I just listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So, yeah. That, so there is a lot of that pagan symbolism, but even that isn't a stretch. If you, watch spaghetti westerns and you're a big fan of the 60s cinema the 60s italian cinema specifically or the the euro cinema let's just encompass all of that i mean how many times client have we derived pagan symbolism from spaghetti westerns or anything we've reviewed from the euro westerns of the 60s oh yeah it, it almost almost every film we do that we find something because that was a big part of the cinema in that time period, because a lot of it has to do with a, you're dealing with um, a lot of people who are very Christian oriented in that part of the world at that time. And the opposite, the other side of that is of course, paganism. So there's a lot of either pro-Christian symbolism or there's anti-Christian symbolism, but that's very, very, very common. The only spaghetti Westerns that I would say don't include that. Leone's don't. I think he was there to just he was there for the art and he was there to make a fantastic film. And that was it. I don't think he was trying to say a whole lot with his imagery, even though he even though his imagery sold his films, he definitely put an emphasis on imagery. But I wouldn't say it was poetic or it was even or he was even trying to say his shots represented anything other than what he was actually trying to say. It's it's very straightforward, his films. Sure. But outside of Leone's films. I mean, Corbucci, uh, Chavari, what's his name? I forgot the the Matalo director, uh, Canavari and Corbucci. I mean, tons of films that they've done have a lot of that anti-Christian symbolism. In fact, there was a Christian website that reviewed this movie. It called it blasphemous. I just started laughing. I'm like, well, you're watching a movie that's probably directed and produced by people who are not Christians. They're probably pagans. I mean, let's just, I mean, it is what it is. All right, so let's go to a very quick break, and then when we get back, we're going to talk about the rest of this film. We have a lot more to get through. We'll be right back. y'all go nowhere weird west radio will be right back
Want more Weird West Radio? Get more Western discussions, plus some pulpy fun. Get more Weird West Radio every month with the Patreon Mike and Clint Do You Right tier. When you pledge just $4 or more a month, you will receive two to four additional broadcasts every single month. More movie discussions on the weird, strange, and traditional westerns, including episodic breakdowns on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and the Wild Wild West. Also, for you Spaghetti Western fans, we've got a monthly specialty show dedicated specifically to the iconic film genre of the 60s and 70s. For more Western discussions plus some pulpy fun, go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. What are you looking at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. <laughs> Geek Out Saturday. And then, like, ants eat your remains. Like, <laughs> those books got real dark. <laughs> for kids. Bandersnitch. Or, like, one of them, like, you get... This is, the this the is fact that Marvel's free. been doing it for ten years doesn't mean so, it's easy. Hold on, though. Take Marvel out of the equation and forget okay. that they don't even exist. Television has been doing this for decades. <laughs> and I stumbled upon it while I was hunting alligators. And this guy starts whistling at you. He beckons you. So I thought it was a mission, like a side mission. So I went... And then I realized what it was when it was too late. Yeah. I walked in, it's the guy starts And that's how they go out. Like, because the, the rebirth, when they ditched the new 52, because the new 52, they weren't always on the best of terms. They're back together, or, you know, they end up getting back together because they feel something they don't know. They just feel like the universe is pulling them together. Catch up on your favorite Rayman Digital Geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rayman Channel 001. Y'all listen to Weird West Radio on Rayman Digital. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Rayman Digital's exclusive Weird West Radio show, Weird West Radio. All right, so outside of all the, the symbolism, the film's overall cinematography was, I think, some of the best I've seen in a movie. I feel like it rivals even some of the direction. And this is saying a lot because everybody knows I'm a Tarantino fanboy. (laughs) I would say that the camera blocking, the direction, the cinematography, a lot of of what they put in this movie rivaled even some of Tarantino's best work. Mm. I'm not just talking the usuals either. I mean, the framing, camera movement, all of it was motivational. There was purpose to all of it. Sometimes you get these types of films and you get the idea they're blowing themselves and that's it. They they love what they're doing so much. And sometimes because of the nature of an art house slash experimental piece, you get a lot of strange shots that are sometimes just sometimes interpretive but mostly it just leaves you wondering what the fuck kind of drugs the director of photography was on (laughs) the director and the dop though borrowed the motivational camera cues from the greats like sergio leone and they made it their own and that was one of the reasons why i also gave this film high marks is because not they weren't just they weren't doing carbon copy they weren't saying hey you know what we're fans of the spaghetti western cinema it was very cutting edge for its time even though people didn't appreciate it until years later decades later they weren't just trying to use things they've seen before they took yes inspirational cues but they made it their own which i think is vital for any director that's a fan of a specific film genre it's kind of again what tarantino does tarantino 
gets a bad rap. A lot of people say, oh, he just steals. That guy has no original thought. He just steals things that he's, he has seen in another movie and then puts a new title on it. And they're all just reboots, which is a complete farce and completely untrue. Mm-hmm. He is a film fan and there's specific genres. And the same thing could be said about the duo here that directed this film. They're obviously film fans. They're cinephiles and they have taken things that they that resonated with them from the art side and they twisted it, turned it into something that would work for the purposes of their story. There was this tracking shot that you had mentioned at the top of the show where you have our, our leads loose and I guess her rival within this, this gang. And it just tracked back and forth. And we've seen that before. It's something Tarantino's done. It's something that we've seen Leone do. But what did they do? They made it their own and they completely shocked me with what they were going to uh, surprise me with the final shot. The fact that they would go back and forth and you'd move closer. They would hide the, the cut, which I love that when cinematographers and directors hide the cut because they had to. There's no way they could have done that in one take, but they mm-hmm. made it look like one take. And every time the camera tracked to the next subject, you would have the shot be closer to them. So there are shots like that that I felt were just fantastic. And then, of course, the way they captured action and stunts, which that's the balance of this movie. You have all that artsy-fartsy stuff, right, that some people may not love. But then, man, I mean, blood, sex, violence. There's, I think there is a little bit for everybody. If you can see past some of the artsy stuff that you may not dig, Mm-hmm. I think people can sit back and enjoy the hell out of this movie because there's plenty of action. It's very fast paced. There's nudity. There's hot women with boobs flashing for no reason, which <laughs> no one complain, can can really complain about that. Come on. Well, that's um, what I was saying is that even the main story, the the more simplistic story of yeah. the gold and the bad guys and this, this whole debauchery, you get it. You don't even have to read the the subtitles or – pay attention to the art you just go whoa this is kind of a a really cool movie it's some of the best shootouts i have seen in a western yeah hands down hands down that says a lot because how many westerns have we watched in our lifetime clint a few yeah just a few (laughs) a few hundred probably Yeah. yeah so the fact that they can just blow us away, Western fans like you and I, with those action sequences that were choreographed so well, and not just the action sequences, but the practical effects, the fact that they use real blood squibs, they had real explosions, real ammo, obviously not live rounds. And this all in a day and age when Fake blood is the go-to and fake explosions is the go-to and not even using real, real dummy rounds and guns anymore so that people don't even look like they're actually shooting. I'm like, well, you know, there's a little bit of kick in every single gun anybody uses. And when you see these people not even, you know, truly flinching even a little bit when they fire a weapon. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Clint. You're the gun expert here, but every gun is going to have a tiny bit of a kick. Yeah, you'll have a little bit of recoil even in the smallest gun. Yeah, you know, the the twenty two. I mean, you can you can definitely tell when someone's you know you even watch like modern TV television out there, and you can watch when they've added the 
the um word I'm looking for the the f- muzzle flash. Yeah, you can tell that it's it it's not even the the gun's not it's just a rubber prop. And not you know? and that's another thing is like it, not all ammo even has muzzle flash. I mean, I've fired real guns with it. There isn't even a flash sometimes. Sure. So when they over exaggerate it, you just it's they're trying to sell it, and I understand that. But at the same time, I just it just comes off as hokey sometimes. Even Robert Rodriguez's movies, which I'm a huge fan of his films, but he's one of those directors that has for years he doesn't use live rounds or dummy rounds, I should say, at all. He he uses he actually puts it all in post, and I and he has them kind of do a fake recoil, and it works for the stylized films he makes where they kind of like it's almost like a dance more than actually shooting the way especially if you look at some of those the burrito trilogy they call it you know the desperado once my time in the west you have antonio banderas essentially dancing while he's shooting the way he like he like throws the gun as he's shooting it yeah it's a lot of over the top coolness a lot of flair yes a lot of flair a lot of coolness there's definitely a cool factor there and it works for that movie but now take all of that cool flare out and have all CGI'd muzzle flash and making the actors pretend to shoot. And and remember and remember that a lot of these actors are not pro gun. They probably don't pick up guns. They've never shot a gun. So they don't even really know how to react to it. Right. And that's one of my biggest issues I have with modern Westerns and action films as a whole in this new era of filmmaking that we're in. And to see that these directors are willing to, you know, use real practical effects, that's a huge win for me as well. And it, it sells the violence. It adds to the grit. Even the choice method of, of format that they shot the film on being 16 millimeter, which adds more grain uh, to the picture. Uh, Super 35 millimeter has a lot less grain, but they decided to go with 16 millimeter for a reason. There's more grit there. There's more grain and all of it just works together to sell this picture that they wanted to put out to people. They wanted mm. to convey a gritty, debauched world. And overall, it worked. And, and, and you take the stunts, the, the musical choices, all of it worked together. Very I was just well. going to say one thing about real guns or blank guns versus the muzzle flash that they mm-hmm. had is that – a good way to see if they're which one they're using is if they blink. Yeah. Do you because blink when if, you when you shoot? I think everybody does. Okay. I think it's just after even if you fire a blank, mm-hmm. it there's that you where you kind of blink, you know. I think it's I don't think you can help it except for when you uh, Oh, if you're a badass you can. Come on. Okay, good luck. <laughs> and when you're uh when you like if you're using a rubber gun or something like that and you're just going pew, pew, and they're going to add it, normally you don't have that f- that flinch in your eye. Yeah. That's just what I've kind of noticed. Yeah. Everything we've done. Yeah. Well, there, there was there was a guy. There's a film we shot me and one of my friends uh, in film school years ago and we had, you know, blanks and um, this guy that we cast in this role that was going to shoot and he was an assassin essentially and he was supposed to shoot everybody 
I made fun of this guy for years because I'm like, hey, all right, big motherfucker, you're 6'3", you're buff, and you're going to be wielding two guns, and you're going to just start shooting everybody in your path. You're like, okay. And we kept calling cut because he kept blinking both eyes, and he was kind of flinching every time he shot. I'm like, dude, you're a hardcore paid assassin in this movie. You you cannot (laughs) be blinking and flinching continually when you're shooting. He's like, I can't help it. So we did like, I think we did like 15 takes, which is just not professional. We should not be doing 15 takes. Okay. So let's talk about the directors. We kind of already kind of breezed through some of the things they've done in this film, but them specifically and what they have worked on in the past. These are the types of films these directors do. Very surrealistic, stylistic, and beautiful art pieces that do very, very well on the film circuits. The film festival circuits. They've never directed a mainstream picture. They are heavily influenced by the cinema of the 60s. Even if you go back to their first theatrical debut, I believe in 2009, even that film was heavily inspired by the 60s Euro cinema. Uh, They rely heavily on imagery, both visual and auditory. And I, for one, will be probably checking out their earlier films. So now that I know what to expect, I don't think I will be shocked moving forward with any of their other movies. Uh, But the acting was great as well. I thought the actors uh, did a great job with the material. Again, I don't. That's one thing that, in my opinion, always translates well, no matter no matter uh, what the the language of the film is. If you're a good actor, you and you know how to emote, you're going to convey the proper emotions. I would even say if you took the subtitles out, I think for the most part, you probably, if you turn the music off, or I should say the volume, you probably could figure out what's happening. Maybe not all the pagan stuff. You'd probably have to watch it three or four times. But I think for the most part, even if you turn the volume down, you can probably convey. I, I think the idea of the film is conveyed through the body language, which I think is important for a movie uh, like this, especially because it's a very intimate portrait. It, it's, it's a how I... That's how I personally describe these types of movies. The reason why is because there's very, a sel- there's very seldom a long shot or a wide shot on any of our heroes. Anytime we're actually spending uh, a moment between the actors and they are discussing something, we're not, we're not at the, the traditional television network medium shots. We are in their face. Well, especially when they were eating. If there's one yes. thing I can't stand in real life, it's hearing people eat <laughs> that whole thing. And yeah. that scene just you that's the one of those scenes that you you actually feel like this is a dirty, gritty, muddy yep. western because we've seen spaghetti westerns like that where they're what do they usually eat? A big turkey leg or something? There's that <laughs> yeah, one guy you, we see all the time in our spaghetti westerns and for some reason, I mean, he's a bigger dude, so I'm sure that's why he eats. But when he eats, it's it's that like that a lot of smacking, yeah, and it's a piggish sound. It's like I don't care, I'm I'm dirty, I'm grimy, and that's what they had in this to kind of convey to you that you know they're not uh, civilized. Is that the yeah. good word for it? Yeah, no, no, that's definitely a fair assessment. That's something that they do that a lot of directors, if they're if they're 
paying attention to the details, they do that with usually they're bad guys. They don't always they very seldom have a good guy smack his lips or eat loudly. Even if you look at a film, I think the one that comes to mind right now is uh, Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. If you remember the scene where they're eating and um, all the Nazis are around the table, all you hear is them eating and smacking them. Every yeah. single, Ugh. every sound, the swallowing, the the drinking, all of it. And they never do that with, with the good guys because, A, it's not appetizing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's gross. So it helps sell an idea that these people are just not good individuals. And they did just that with this with this film as well. But yes, overall acting was great. The body language, the emote, the they were able to emote. And that's what I look for in these types of movies. Sometimes it don't, doesn't always work that way. I feel like um, cultures like uh, much of much of the European cultures, I feel like their body language uh, translates over for American audiences. There's certain films from India and Middle Eastern films and um, Russian films. Uh, let's see, Chinese cinema. Sometimes body language, their body language is very different. It's a very different culture in those parts of the world. So not all the time where the body language actually convey what they're saying. But these films like French films, Italian films, uh, Spanish films, Mexican films, they translate a lot better because their culture's body language is very similar to ours. So that definitely worked in this film's favor. Now, the soundtrack was also interesting. They used a lot of Morcone films. There was no original score. They borrowed from some of the greatest and best spaghetti westerns, in my opinion. They used a Morcone score from Fascia a Fascia. Oh. Matalo. Servamente. Zombie Parade oh. from Another World, Solo Grita, and Canto Dia Campana Sonata. Well, all, well done. All Morcone flicks. So they picked the best. I mean, if you're going to take spaghetti western music, you got to have a Morcone track, right? It sounds I mean, like it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it, it'd, be, it'd be remiss. I mean, if you're going to try to make a spaghetti western and you're not going to have anything, you know, scored originally, or, or if you're not going to have an original score, then it would make perfect sense to do exactly what other directors do and, and take from the best, the very best person who ever composed a spaghetti western soundtrack, and that's Marconi. And I was such a nerd in the theater, I was I probably was embarrassing my wife because every time a song came on, I think my wife realized how much of a spaghetti western nerd I am. Because I was like, oh, and I named the song. I'm not lying. You could ask Maggie. Glenn. <laughs> I named the song and who composed it. And she just looked at me and she's like, you are the biggest movie nerd I have ever met. But <laughs> like, hey, but I, it's what I do. I think she knows that. And she probably said that with a smile, but it was you being out loud about it, proving it to everybody else that you knew what the title oh, of the I, oh, song was. Believe me. Believe me. I walked out of that theater being a know-it-all. I'm like, yeah, this movie, <laughs> this song was from this one. This song was from this movie. I knew it all. Pulling strangers over. Hey, hey. <laughs> Dude, don't you want to do that sometimes when you know something? You're like, hey, this is actually from this movie. I, I actually have a uh, a silent clause now in my... From my wife. You can't get excited about movies I, I have anymore. To just kind of, she goes, wait till you get in the truck. I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> We're like children when it comes to movies. <laughs> yeah. It was 
My, I think it all started with the Sin City because I was like, that's by the book. That's by the book. God, I love that movie so much. And she's like, what? I'm like, when we get home, I'm going to show you the books. She's like, you need to settle down. I go, this is awesome. Anyway, yeah. Clint, you're embarrassing. We left our kids at home for a reason. Yeah. My kids can't stand it sometimes. <laughs> oh, man. So it gets worse because your kids are older than mine, and my son's already telling me to calm down, too, about movies. Yeah. It's it's because I like like visual effects and stuff. Yeah. So I yep. kind of really geek out. Like Beauty and the Beast, I went with them, and I was like, my God, this is this is beautiful. And they're like, see, musicals aren't bad. I go, forget the musical. Look at the video <laughs> effects. Yeah. It gets pretty retarded. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am too. All right. So as I said, let's, let's talk about the viewing. As I said, I saw it once in the theater and it was gorgeous. And honestly, ju- it was just a dream for a cinephile like myself to be able to see this movie in the theater. I would have kicked myself if I had found out about this movie once it was released to Blu-ray and then I would have would have killed myself. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> there was a theatrical release in town. So I'm glad I did that. Uh, the Blu-ray was cool as well. It was a beautiful transfer and the up res appeared to be rather flawless, which sometimes isn't always the case for uh, for both Blu-ray and digital release or even theatrical when you're shooting on 16 millimeters. It's a much smaller sensor. I think this might have been my first 16 millimeter film I've seen in the theater or even purchased on Blu-ray since the rise of 4K. Mm. So I was intrigued to see what the scan process would end up looking like. And according to various, you know, cinephiles and cinematographers, a fine grant, a fine grain, super 16 millimeter color negative can resolve up to 2.5 K. And at least this is what I've heard. I have never had the opportunity to scan or up res anything I've shot in 16 millimeter. Uh, Some say that 2.5 K is optimistic, but there are others that say you can't squeeze more detail from the grain. Hmm. So that was also a unique experience for me as well, because I've never had that opportunity to do that. Um, Clint, your viewing. I watched it on the dad theater, which is my iPhone. Ooh. I like that. <laughs> and uh, it it didn't look bad. I mean, when they passed around the collection plate, they were wondering what I was watching. But for the for the most part, <laughs> it was it was enjoyable. Uh, the sound was pretty good on it because I did have headphones on. But no, it was it was good. Yeah. All right. So final thoughts. Um, let me start this time. Right on. Um, haunting spaghetti western style score paired with. Uh, my opinion paired with genius imagery uh, and it made for a fun, intriguing story with lots of action and violence. And um, I feel like this is a gift from the B film art house, pagan gods. (laughs) And I will grab, you know, I will take it. I will take it. I will perform rituals. So, Oh, you know what? We didn't go into the saloon clint. We need to take all of that back. Oh my gosh. We need to go into the saloon. And do these reviews here. So you're going to go first. Let's dodge the, the, the milk shooting out of nipples. <laughs> Let's uh, make sure we evade the, the golden showers. <laughs> yep. And we'll smack the hot black chick in the ass because she was pretty steamy, both of them. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's belly up to the bar. How many shots of whiskey do you give this film? 
I'm going to give it three and a half. It wasn't a total stinker like we've like the past one, the other arty one that we watched yeah. a long time ago. I think this was again with your explanation of the of everything. It that will help anybody who wants to watch this this film. I think the basis of the film, the story was awesome. Cinematically, it was cool. The gunfight was awesome. Um, there's nothing other than the few key things that may throw you off. I think there's some really key things. Let me rephrase that. I think there's some really key things that are awesome about it that you'll find enjoyable as long as you know what's going on in the arty stuff. <laughs> but I do. I, yeah. I did enjoy it. I gave it three and a half. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this four and a half shots of whiskey. So I'm probably going to have to drink some milk from Luce's nipples in order to help with uh, mm-hmm. with the alcohol because I won't be able to drive home. I will get a DUI. So I'm going to, I might, and you know what? After four and a half shots, I might welcome a shot of milk to the back of my throat. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. I so, I so want just that clip. <laughs> I just, for for the life of me, I want that on a, on a clip. I'll make a promo out of it if you want. Oh, I just, I would listen to it all the time. <laughs> so outside of, I mean, I, I kind of said everything that I loved about this movie, but I mean, just the pairing of the Spaghetti Western score with the imagery, it, it was a fun story. It had lots of action and violence and <laughs> I mean, I'm. I will, in. I will, without a doubt, go see these directors' next movie that they put out, and I'm gonna go back and watch their other work because they won me over. I'm probably, you know what? You can probably consider me a fan, nice of their work. But that being said, I want to reiterate: this is not for everybody. Nope. This is not. Do not go in thinking you're getting a paint by numbers western. This is anything but that. But challenge yourself. If you if yeah. you if you just got done listening to this show, challenge yourself. Go watch it and see see what you think. It'll probably it will help the film. Yeah, and honestly, I I do believe that if you're a spaghetti western fan, like you live and breathe spaghetti westerns, which there's a lot of people out there that do. I I feel like they would like this movie. There may be some things that like kind of like you claim like a mm. little off putting. Yeah. But overall, I think they'll, they would walk, walk away enjoying it. I mean, it has everything that makes a spaghetti Western or spaghetti Western. It had it in it. I mean, simple me didn't hate it. How's that? You know, and honestly, Clint, I am pleasantly surprised by that because I expected you to hate it. I was preparing, you know, a statement, a press release. <laughs> <laughs> all of it i was prepared for you to dislike it you thought this was going to be battle number two i really did i thought this was going to be the second film in five years which isn't that bad of a track record honestly no, not we've only disagreed we've watched <laughs> yeah we've we've reviewed how many things 170 pieces of television and film Jesus up to this point Christ, now really and yeah and one that's it one blown out just one where we completely disagreed and I thought this was going to be number two, but I'm happy you liked it. It, it. Well, I don't know. Do you think if we went to a time machine, do you think Clint from 2012 would, would have liked this? Or do you think oh, I'm slowly... If you would have followed up... Am after, I winning you over? 
if you if we would have followed up with Summer of Love and then this one, I, we would have. You would have said, "Sorry, Mike, I'm done." Yeah, you're just too fucked. <laughs> I don't know how well that would have worked. Oh, man. All right. So let's wrap this up. I want to thank everybody for listening to Weird West Radio. If you miss any part of this broadcast, you can always find us on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Play. Just search Weird West Radio. Also, please leave us reviews. And if you like Spaghetti Westerns or you want more Western discussions, you can actually find us on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. When you go to that site, you can actually pledge $4 a month and you can gain access to additional weird west radio discussions right now we're we do a show a monthly show that's specifically designed or is specifically designed to review spaghetti westerns we're doing a deadwood show and uh wild wild west we do everything anything we can't do on our regular feed we throw it on the patreon and it ends up being about two to four additional shows a month roughly for the price of a Starbucks coffee. Yeah. I think it's well worth it, especially with the types of reviews we do. They are very thorough. And I I challenge anybody, Clint, to find a better Western show than this. Look at ooh, throwing it out I, there. I I dude, I know what's out there. And most <laughs> of it's garbage. <laughs> oh. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening. Clint, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Michael. Or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. You can go to hell, hell, hell. (laughs) 